Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. I, Charles the Fourth, or is it the Third? Bloody man. We will supply for the denazification of the Let me put it to you, Justin Yes, if you win by one, you've won. The phone went over the side. It's time to destroy the I just think everyone should be sure. What the fuck is going on? Part of the ACAST Creator Network and also available on Patreon. Hello, I'm Mark Steele. Welcome to my podcast, where, as another year begins, we still have to ask the question, what the fuck is going on? Four years ago, when Harry and Meghan got married, it felt as if you could be arrested for not being joyful enough. There were reporters on every TV channel jumping up and down outside Windsor Castle spluttering, this is the greatest moment of all time. I just saw a blackbird and he was smiling and he was tweeting the national anthem and the homeless in the area were evicted because you can't have people lying around in sleeping bags on the week of a royal wedding and then they were immediately replaced by these people who lay in sleeping bags queuing up for four days to see the royal wedding. But from two days after the wedding, the same people were screaming, who does that Megan think she is? She comes over here marrying our prince then she wants to be able to walk into rooms in the palace without permission. She should spend the rest of her life curtsying and be grateful. So then they yell, you can fuck off, Mark. Well, that's what you can do. Fuck off. You hear me? Fuck off. That's right. Fuck off. So she leaves and then they go, where the fuck are you going? Since then, the couple that was so adored by the British establishment were removed from the royal family, and then they became so hated that famous columnists would write articles such as Meghan Markle should be dressed as a giant jar of marmalade and fed to giant wasps. And military chiefs write articles in the Daily Telegraph saying, as we have now withdrawn our troops from Afghanistan, it seems we have the forces to do the right and proper thing, which is to target Mrs. Markle with a series of tactical airstrikes. So Harry and Meghan retaliated with interviews and a Netflix series, and now there are revelations from this book. The first one was about William causing a fight in which Harry fell and cracked a dog bowl, which would break anyone's heart, as we can imagine Charles screaming, This is packaging. Don't you know how much these dog bowls cost? Now two of the corgis will have to share so they can get down to Pets' home. Now, up until this point, Harry and Meghan's story sort of made sense. But now he says he killed 25 people in Afghanistan and a woman with special powers relayed messages from his dead mother. So now it looks like his book was co-written by the writers of Game of Thrones. Next week we'll read, Harry has revealed he led a battalion of elves through a forest where he confronted Magadon, the three-headed lion that guards the gates of Azbakan. I was quite worried, he writes, because I knew I had to defeat the army of the Termodites, but still had to leave enough time to get back to Wembley as I was due to attend the FA Cup final. It's not surprising Meghan became stressed. 
On top of this, it turns out he took cocaine and mushrooms. So maybe soon we'll learn that he once pinned a military award on a flamingo because he was off his face and thought it was a brigadier. So at last, after all these years, the royal family is providing value for money. Oh, and incidentally, what a wonderful idea of Rishi Sunak's to force everybody to learn maths until they're 18. He should insist that it's taught to adults as well, trying a few himself to launch his wonderful project. He can answer questions such as, if you multiply vast numbers such as 5 to the power of x by 3,452,729, you arrive at the number of pounds that the Prime Minister's wife registered abroad so that she didn't have to pay so much tax. Using your compass, calculate the amount she would need before the greedy cow was finally satisfied. Or, in a barrel there are 50 billion apples. One day, Liz is put in charge of the barrel. Whee! She yells in delight and tips all the apples into the sea. Whoops, she says. How much harder does everybody else in the country have to work for the next 20 years because some bunch of twats allowed Liz to go anywhere near anything? What the fuck? This week, it was announced that plans to privatise Channel 4 have been scrapped. Now, some people aren't happy about this, especially Tory MP Nadine Boris. Nadine, what do you think of these proposals? It's a fucking disgrace. They've only done it because it was Boris's idea, and he's the best man that ever lived, and that's official. You just love Channel 4, because it's the only time you've ever seen a naked woman. If you were on Naked Attraction, they'd have to hand out binoculars so they could see your bits. So do you think there could be a future for Channel 4? The only way you could make that channel worthwhile is if they got me to present Countdown. So instead of all them boring words you get like widget and rosebush, you'd have proper nine-letter Countdown conundrums like shit out. But do you accept that privatising Channel 4 was very unpopular? So what? Billy the Scorpion at the Inglenook was unpopular. Because if you looked at him the wrong way, he'd waterboard you with a tea towel and a bottle of light ale. But now he's got a semi-detached in Southport, so who cares? Finally, what do you think should be the future of British broadcasting? Never mind that. I'll tell you your future. You're going to be in my next novel, you are. If there's a loser called Johnny Twiglercock who sits at home crying because he's a virgin, you'll know who it is. You shithousey little shithouse. Has anyone who has even contemplated venturing into the world of finding out what the fuck is going on will be aware of? It's impossible to even try without opinions and help and assistance from the greatest of experts. And so I am very, very proud to announce that this week we have with us Mr. Matthew Norman. Hello, sir. The greatest Hello, of experts. Mark. Hello, I'm afraid the bad news is I can't really help you with the question. I mean, I've given up years ago, so I'm less qualified than almost anyone in the country, but uh, I'll do me well, best. Well, you, you were once, uh, you, you once wrote uh, a column that probably got nearer to finding out the answer than anyone else. You were the sort of, you were the Isaac Newton, and now we're waiting <laughs> for the Einstein. It, Right. Well, thanks. John the Baptist. Oh, no, not no. I mean Joshua. No, I mean the Moses. You're waiting for <laughs> Joshua. 
to lead you into the promised land. Okay, yeah? all right. So you're, you're, you humbly, uh, humbly uh, declare yourself Moses. But that, now, first of all, we should just mention this because that diary column that you did, amongst other things that you, you've done, I mean, that really uh, did do a job of really annoying people that you could argue deserve to be annoyed. Yeah, well, that's previous. I mean, that's going back a bit. I mean, Mr. Lloyd George really did take umbrage now and again at some of the stuff. No, well, I mean, I had a, I was blessed to have, to have the territory of an early New Labour almost entirely to myself, uh, when everyone thought Tony Blair was, um, was the, was the Messiah, and uh, and uh, people were frightened of the likes of Alistair Campbell and Peter Mandelson. So I had, a, I had a clear run for a good few years. Didn't he say that you were one of the people in his black book that he wanted to, um, that he would most like to dispense with altogether? Uh, well, apparently. I mean, this doubtless will land us all in the high court, so I'll see you up the strand in about 18 months. But uh, apparently he had a hit list of five people, um, which was Paul Dacre, the lovely um, editor-in-chief of the male titles. Right. And John Humphreys, a friend of mine, oh, right. um, and a splendid guy. Some manager who walked out on Burnley FC halfway through the season. <laughs> um, that's only three, and me is four, and I can't remember who the fifth is. Oh, Michael Howard, for some reason. I'm not sure what the... Oh, so you're in fine company then. Now, I'll tell you one thing, before we get on to a, a really important matter that I want to talk to you about. It, but um, Now, I'm going to get this story wrong, so luckily you're here to, to, to get it right. John Redwood. Now, what you gave him quite an honour, didn't you? John Redwood, yeah. And I can't remember, like most stuff that happened, well, happened three hours ago, I can't remember, but I certainly can't remember. This is back in about 97, eight, after the Labour landslide. And John Redwood, of course, a character we all came to love, partly for his mastery of the Welsh tongue. Um, yes. But many other reasons, such as his humane uh, outlook on uh, geopolitical and political life. Um, for some reason that I've couldn't begin to fathom without regressive hypnotherapy. Um, I appointed him a youth culture correspondent for the Guardian Diary. Right. Um, which he was bizarrely uh, pleased to accept for reasons even more inexplicable than the offer in the first place. So I can't, and I used to ring him um, quite regularly if you, because when you're writing a diary like that and, and you don't do kind of sex and gossip, you, it's quite hard to fill. So on a quiet day, you just do something crazy just to fill a few lines of, of print. So I'd ring him and say, and I found out that he was a big fan of the lightning seeds, which came as a shock <laughs> to all of us. He was, genuinely. But one day, there was a big thing in the papers about some dispute in Belgium. So I rang his office, and I said, uh, it's Matthew Nord, blah, 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 Guardian Diary. Um, I need to speak to Mr. Redwood urgently. This is very, very urgent. And his assistant said, I'm so sorry, Mr. Redwood's in a shadow cabinet meeting. And I said, listen, I wouldn't say this if it wasn't desperately important. <laughs> I wouldn't waste your time. Can you please get him out now? Because time is of the essence. So about five minutes later, he panting slightly as if he'd got up a very tall flight of stairs. He said, yes, this is John Redwood. Yes. I said, oh, thank God I got hold of you, John. I said, um, um, it's this business, this terrible row that's erupted between Father Abraham and the rest of the Smurfs. We have to know which side you're, you're taking on this and where you stand. And bless his heart. It's almost like these people are, uh, kind of crave attention, even when they're not in power or something. But bless his heart, he dredged up some nonsense about that, which filled 10 lines. So, so yeah, <laughs> I've forgotten that one, actually, until you reminded me. An underrated cultural commentator. <laughs> 
you're tempted to have a go, another go because we we probably since in the years you've not been doing that, uh, doing that, then we don't know John Redwood's views on matters of uh, what is it? What was he cultural? Youth culture correspondent. Youth culture correspondent. Yeah. Oh, don't we want to know? Well, how do we know what he thinks about Skepta oh. or you, you? Look, you know, you've got a podcast, a very highly mm. regarded podcast. There's a slot. Get him on, ask him. <laughs> I think he'd be thrilled to appear. Now there is another uh, another broadcaster that yeah. we uh, that we've both come across, uh, and it's it's yeah. someone now. I'm I'm a big fan, as I know you are, of yeah. the uh, talk show um, host, the the um, you know the guy who does the political um, Mike Concrete. Yes, yes, I'm a huge fan of concrete. Uh, yes. Uh, now, but I think Mike himself, uh, being a humble chap, he would be, mm. he would accept that he's not the first he, uh, person to pioneer this sort of particular style of broadcasting. No. And no. Um, there was a chap called John Gaunt who oh, used to write a column in The Sun. Oh, he's a titan. Oh, what a talent he was. Oh, and, I mean, uh, multimedia, I mean, he straddled, you know. Like a colossus, he straddled the worlds of print and broadcasting for a few few years. Yes, but you upset him, didn't you, with the diary? Well, I did, I did, I did. And, I, you know, without meaning to, I think this was later, this was a sort of media diary, The Independent. Yeah, he used to have, he was a regular character in that um, over quite a long period. You know, and I think, you know, he probably misunderstood. He thought I was teasing him when I was really admiring him. But then he bought out a book, which I can't remember. I think it was something like Gaunty's Best of British. Right. It was a part, I think I, I remember they were they were they dissected it one night at the All Souls High Table. Um, and um so I think on the, like page three, right at the beginning, um was a list of Gaunty's top ten greatest living Brits. And I have a feeling from vague memory that May have included Paul McCartney and the Queen, and the... anyway, at number ten was Rolf Harris, uh, who we all, you know, well, we don't remember because he's still with us. I think. I think he's is he out or in? I don't know what. Well, he's the last I heard, he was in uh, uh, Majesty's Pleasure in Stafford. Yeah, which is nice, really, because he he spent time with her painting a portrait, and then he became a fairly permanent house guest. So <laughs> moving, moving in the right direction there, but. Anyway, so I wrote some piece congratulating him on including Rolf Harris in his greatest living Brits. <laughs> this has nothing to do with subsequent revelations that concern the courts and the justice system. This was this was obviously a reference to um, to Rolf's um, uh, passport. Yeah, not quite questionable Britishness. Yeah, well, it's touch and go. I mean, anyway, and um, I was I was in bed one Monday morning. It came on a Monday this column, and uh, the phone rang about eight o'clock, and it was Gaunty. Who didn't appear to be in the best of moods, ranting down the phone, You fucking idiot! You <laughs> fucking moron! Don't you think I know that Rolf Harris is Australian? I said, Well, Gaunty, it's lovely to speak to you. But um, in that case, it does beg a question, really. Anyway, he explained why he was an honorary Brit. I, I'm, oh, right, okay. I, I'm sure the book reprinted regularly. And um, hopefully, um, you know, it's been amended, the list now. Maybe it's been replaced by the late Jimmy Savile. In a, in a <laughs> Great talent, though. Sadly, not, not, not as ubiquitous as he once was. So, uh, now this really does look like it's showing off, but I think mm. it was a very, very, it could end up being a very big cultural moment. Mm. We were uh, having a, a dinner one night, Yeah, were we not, with none other than Mr. Peter Capaldi. 
Yes, we was. Of Doctor Who fame and yeah. uh, and you know, think of it fame and so on. Magnificent person, yeah. Yeah. And now all all the things you could think of, I would imagine that there's millions of people that you could say, what would you like to talk to Peter Capaldi about if you were ever lucky enough to be spending an evening with him? But lots of people that have stuff about Doctor Who and things about various films he's been in, about the acting world in general, about his thoughts on all manner of things. Yeah. And as I recall, we spent the whole evening, like every single moment of it, discussing... Which people you could categorise as cunts and yeah. which of them would be wankers? And which, most most challengingly, would straddle the two? Which would straddle the two and whether there were any? Yeah. And that's yeah. the very hard thing. Now, I think this is a – I've mentioned this a couple of times before in public and always – even in a pub. I don't know if you've not done this, right? Even in, I was in a pub one night and Ooh. I mentioned this to people and then I'd say, you could say anyone, Boris Johnson, is he a cunt or is he a wanker? Ooh. And it's the most wonderful way of getting a debate going. So yeah. within 10 minutes, there were about 40 people in this pub going, go on then, uh, what do you reckon? Boris yeah. Johnson, cunt or wanker? Oh, he's a wanker. No, he's not. He's a cunt. <laughs> and there's a whole pub. Yeah, yeah. And, and well, we, I mean, the truck, we should have, I mean, we if we're going to, we ought to copyright it because I've heard a rumor that Radio 4 are interested in it for a new six, on your time slot, 6 30. Yeah, yeah. That was here now on Radio 4. Yes, in half an hour, Shula t- twists her ankle in the arches. But first, <laughs> here's Mark Steele with the new panel show, Cunt or Wanker. It wouldn't be done with me, though, would it? They'd get uh, oh, they'd get bloody David Mitchell to do it, wouldn't they? Yeah. Well, well hello, welcome once again. It's uh, <laughs> time for cunt or wanker. So let's get straight on, Johnny Depp. What do we think? <laughs> oh, he's, yes, yes. With us, yes. With us is Sue Perkins. And then the Archbishop of York. Um, but it is tough, and I think anyone listening will want to play this um, game at dinner tonight when they've had a few. I mean, I think the absolute, if you're looking for an archetype straddler, mm. I think we decided it was Noel Edmonds. Well, that would, no, well, as, this is, as I remember it, because mm. we said like Blair, I think it's perfectly fair to say that Blair is yeah. a cunt and a wanker, yeah. and it's very, yeah. very unusual to be both. It's very um, hard to find, you know, we, I think in in the last however many years, we've only come up with six or seven. And yeah, I yeah, yeah. It's yeah. very, very rare. It's like, yeah. you know, it's like a batter getting 300 in a test. It's very rare. It is. And, um, but I do remember us trying to, all names being chucked about that night mm. for two, three hours. And then I don't think I have ever seen anyone as excited as the moment at which Peter Capaldi yeah. just stood bolt upright with such joy in his face and went, Noel Edmonds! Oh, no, I've ruined it, but I didn't remember. It was easy to come out of Bless him. Yeah, well. Noel Edmonds! I've got it! <laughs> it sounded a bit Galloweedian for a moment there. <laughs> yeah, or, sorry. Yes, we won't perhaps dwell on that. Um <laughs> But, uh, yeah, no, it's a brilliant game, isn't it, for the pub or the home or the school, anywhere, really. Now, I reckon that this is a very optimistic time, and Mm. I seem to be very much in a minority. And I'll give you my reasonings. A year and a half ago, 
It looked as if the world was one in which Boris Johnson could just get away with telling whatever ridiculous bloody nonsense uh, he was going to say that people had put up with it and it was going to go on forever and the Tories were ahead in the polls and many people were going, that's it, Labour will never be in power again and so on and so forth. And now that seems utterly ridiculous. He was swept away. The person who replaced him has gone. All their ideas have fallen apart. Trump's gone. Bolsonaro's gone. Mm. Is this not a good thing? What? That the Trump's not in power anymore with the, with the Russian... Well, the Trump, Bolsonaro and Johnson have all gone. It's a very finely balanced... Oh, it's, it's great. I mean, I wouldn't want to count any unhatched poultry at the minute. No. Because, but, well, you do get the feeling that the that the be- the worst of the boil of reaction uh, of, of nationalistic horror has been lanced. Um, so please God, you know, please God, we're moving in the right. We appear to be going in the right direction. We'll have a Labour government in two years, and please, and Joe Biden looks good bet for re-election. So, you know, so that's a good thing, is it? Because I'd I'd say because I've just got I saw so many sort of people who uh, the around New Year. People yeah. who are sort of liberal, left, persuasive, whatever words you want to use, going, oh, Christ, let's hope 2023 is a bit better. It can't be any worse. Yeah. And I think, oh, well, with that fucking attitude. <laughs> yeah, no, with that fucking. Well, I'm not someone who's, you know, particularly minded to automatically look on the bright side of life. But I, I, do, I do see signs for encouragement. And... um. It's going to be a rough ride, but I think we're heading in the right direction, yeah. Well, there we are now. If you could, because you do quite often, I mean, you often tell me off for being too optimistic and say that it's because I'm only half Jewish. Yeah. You've got to let your inner Jew out. You've got to be, you've got to keep up a barrier of depressive resignation <laughs> at all times. The ward, as soon as you drop it, there's a big right, right, a right overhand about to land on your jaw. <laughs> Never. I, I, Any time I've had moments like shards of hope, I've been horribly punished within thirty six hours. So you'll forgive me if I if I cleave to my inner Jew on that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. That's that's what we want to hear in the first week in January. Yeah, and for the other fifty one weeks of the year. <laughs> Great chatting. Thanks, Mark. Thank you so much. Okay. As you know, we love to hear all sorts of views on this podcast, so here once again is the master of gently teasing out opinions, Mike Concrete. Right, it's the new year, time for resolutions. I've made mine, I'm going to eat more sausages. (laughs) But God help us, here's Tommy Warmer, he's a personal trainer to tell us how to Carry on with keeping fit all year and oh, not give up on the 6th of January. How are you doing, Tommy? I'm bright and sparkling, thank you, Mark. I'm just back from my morning job, 5K, nothing too demanding, around the park and back home. <laughs> did you start at home? Yes, yes, I did a few stretches, which are vital. Well, if you started at home and you ended at home, you've gone all that way for nothing. No, not for nothing, Mark. I feel rejuvenated. Are you in the Chinese Communist Party, Tommy? Pardon? Uh, Not as far as I know. 
<laughs> they like telling people what they can and can't do, just like you, telling us all to run round parks. Uh, and I thought they were keener on cycling. Cycling, running, it's all the same thing. Was Mick Lynch with you? Mick Lynch? Yeah, he's cancelled the trains because he wants to make us all run up and down to Newcastle. Well, he'd be very welcome to join me. I bet he would. So if you had your way, every single one of us would have to give up beer, bacon, darts, dogging, anything else we enjoy from February the 17th onwards. Am I right? Well, apart from anything else, Mark, uh, February the 17th isn't the start of the new year. Yes, it is. See ya, Tommy. That's enough of that, idiot. No wonder the royal family punch each other. Here's Andrew Tate with today's decluttering advice. What the fuck is going on? Thank you so much to all those of you who are now supporting us on Patreon. It is because of you that we can continue our quest to find out what the fuck is going on for another year. If you'd like to join these wonderful, virtuous, radiant people for as little as £2 a month, just follow the link on our Twitter page or go to www.patreon.com and type in what the F is going on. Or if you really want to know what's going on for just £4 a month, you'll get a longer ad-free version. That is to say... It will be one of the few things in the world that is entirely without adverts. Uh, and that will have extended interviews and bonus sketches. This week, there's Lieutenant Colonel Sir Ambrose Chisler's veranda on the spat between the Royal Brothers. And you'll get the podcast on Friday nights, unlike everybody else who has to wait forlornly until Saturday mornings. So go to www.patreon.com and type in what the F is going on to join the WTF community. For the first time in a new year, it has come to the point where I'm going to read out some announcements. And as you're all aware, uh, this is one of the great traditions. Well, not just of Britain, but of humanity. I would think that probably in Neolithic times, they were all sat round in a little circle sometimes talking about what they were going to do with the harvest and whether oh there was like a what they were going to do with a stone that's gone missing and or something and then they will all have thought oh thank christ for that i could get back to going and brewing some sort of alcoholic bloody concoction out of some chewed up grass or something and then someone would say, uh, but before you go, I've got a few announcements. They'd all then, oh, for fuck's sake. I just want to, I've got a pig to look after. Anyway, now for a few announcements. We have got, this is a totally pointless announcement, the first one, because we have a live show on January the 24th at the Bill Murray Comedy venue lovely little place in north london and uh, but it's sold out so if you've already got a ticket you're already coming and if you haven't got a ticket you won't be able to come anyway what a totally superfluous announcement that is uh but we will be doing now this does matter we will be doing another one i think in march um and a, a much bigger place because it was like do you know what we just put the tickets on sale and they went just like that it was like being harry styles for i was going to say for a day but being Harry Styles for two seconds, because that's how long it was, a bit more than that, uh, to, to uh, for the things to go. Anyway, so that was that's the first announcement. Now, if you want to come and see uh, uh, me personally doing my show, I've got a new show 
that I'm about, oh, I'm a good 3% through the process of writing it. So uh, that will start on February the 4th, I think it is, in Derby. And then I'm in about 45 places. Oxford Playhouse. What's the point of me? I'll mention just three at random. Oxford Playhouse. Theatre Royal in Brighton. That's huge. You've got to come to that. And the Tyne Theatre in Newcastle. Uh, Oh, that's massive. So uh, please... Please come to them. <laughs> Even if you're, in fact, if you're in, if you're in Brighton, come to the one at the Theatre Royal, and then go to the one in Newcastle as well. So uh, please come to that. All sorts, oh, there'll be all sorts of new characters in that, in that, and jokes, and also, and I'm playing the piano. That bit's true. Oh, also, Elliot Still of this podcast, specially bred for this podcast, is doing uh, doing a whole load of gigs that will be on his website and. Uh, he's also got his own podcast called BTEC Philosophy. Brilliant name, BTEC Philosophy, and it's been it's been put on a long list for Channel 4's Podcast of the Year awards, uh, which I'm very pleased about. Although a certain other podcast wasn't put on that list. Fuck's sake! Now. People have been getting in touch with us on our Patreon account, as well as on Twitter, wanting to know what the fuck is going on with certain things. Catherine Davis on Patreon asks, when I've seen you live, talking to talking about me, I, I guess, Catherine, when I've seen you live, I have admired the way you express anger about things in a positive way. Can you tell us how to use rage for good? A mini anger management class, if you like. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I I think when I'm on stage, that's I, I I'll be honest, that's it's a bit of an act. I mean, if you saw me in other moments, then if I did that on stage, I don't think you'd got you know if because and obviously you've got to keep the two things separate. Otherwise, I'd go on stage, the curtains would open, people would go hey, or whatever if they do, and then uh, I'd I if it was just the normal me being angry in the normal way as I'm in normal life, the show would start. Oh, not fucking roadworks again. You've only just cleared up the last fucking lot, you local council fucking shit face fucking. Fucking, why don't you do the fucking all at the same time? Things like that. That, and then I think you probably wouldn't be in such admiration at the way that I express anger about things in a positive way. So all of a sudden in the second half, there'd be, oh, fuck. Fucking Jesus. Can nobody mark Harry Kane? Things like that. Uh, Catherine also... Oh, no, somebody somebody replied to Catherine. I think Mike Concrete's the man for that. Yes, I've heard of him. He's the um, talk show man, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he'd be... I think he'd be very good. He expresses anger in a very positive way. And I think that's... Uh, uh, yeah, I think that's to the good. So, anyway, a couple of tips there, Catherine. Mr. M at educating Mr. M on Twitter. What the... F- now, this is a marvellous question. What the fuck is going on with candy canes? And why is it so hard to find them in shops? Now, this is very much Richie, Rishi Sunak territory, but going further, that's where we'll get to, what about July, if he's still Prime Minister by then? I am going to ensure that there are sufficient candy canes in the shops and by then people will be crawling around in the mud eating maggots and stuff like that. There'll be like the hospitals will just be completely dilapidated. We'll be just we'll be borrowing. We'll be we'll have, I don't know, somewhere like 
Hungary will send us one doctor out of kindness uh, and and they'll be just going around one by one and people will just be screaming. There'll be no morphine. It'll be like, oh, it'll be like the a post-apocalyptic world. It'll be like the Battle of Den Ben Fu when all the casualties were just left yelling and crying in the fields of Vietnam. And Rishi Sunak will say, uh, you'll be pleased to know that I have brought forward my plan to introduce candy canes in sufficient numbers for everybody uh, up to the age of 18. I have to confess, Mr. M, I wasn't even aware what a candy cane was, but I know now they're them sort of twirly, those twirly things made of like sickly sugar stuff. They're not good for you. Uh, Mr. M, I think if there's a shortage of them, that's a good thing, isn't it? That's it's like, you know, that's, that's, I'm all for there being a shortage of, uh, a shortage of candy cane. What does puzzle me, why is there always a Christmas rush for things that are nothing to do with Christmas? So you go into a hardware shop and stuff and go, you know, at the beginning of December and they'll go, oh, yeah, we're out of spirit levels. There's a Christmas rush, stuff like that. Is that because people have bought them as presents, you unimaginative, unromantic bastards? Yeah, there's no rule plugs because there's a Christmas rush. Or is it because people think, oh, it's coming up to Christmas. I'd better drill some extra holes in the wall. What is the most stupid thing there's a Christmas rush of? Fireplaces? Antelopes? I wrote off to the World Wildlife Fund for an antelope, and uh, I said, well, now there's a Christmas rush. People like to buy them as presents these days. Uh, Nigel Early on Twitter says, uh, and this is in response to... um, George Galloway. George Galloway very kindly did a promotional clip on Twitter uh, where he was talking about the 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 paltry the paltry standard of the guests on uh, the latest series of I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. And uh, Nigel responds to that clip uh, in which George Galloway was wearing a very, very distinctive hat. If I'm not mistaken, it was a Portuguese riding hat. And Nigel Early very cleverly says... Was it Boy George Galloway? Because it was a very distinctive hat. And, yeah, a very good, yeah. Uh, To which now we asked George what he thought about this. And he said, let me put it to you, Nigel, early. I am indeed not a man without conviction. Although red, gold and green are the colours of the revolutionary spirit of the fighting people of Jamaica as they rose up to throw off the yoke of imperialism. And in that sense, yes, I am very much boy George Galloway. So thank you very much to George for sending that message. As Anybody knows, especially in 2023, it is not possible to have any idea what the fuck is going on without without consulting the views of the uh, of the sort of youth, people who are, let's say, about 26 and a half. And that is why I bred some 26 and a half years ago, Elliot Steele, internet 
TikToky thingy sensation. How are you? I'm well. My TikTok's about to get taken down, actually, so I don't do TikTok anymore. Oh, right. Okay. Well, that I don't understand I'm about, I'm how it goes up. I'm about like 70,000 followers. You're about to be banned? Yeah. What have you done? Have you been well, used? Is it the OnlyFans thing? It's, uh, it's because it's run by the Chinese, and I refuse to call it Chinese Taipei. And so, therefore, my TikTok is now going to be taken down. Well, you know what? That's karma. Because you remember when you were about 10 and you said to your sister, and I didn't find this out until years later, that you told her that it didn't really matter what she did because in the next few months, the Chinese were going to take over and put us all in camps. And she believed you. I was out by the months, but it is it is on the cards. Like it was, it, it, it yeah. did like well, that, that did that did account for a unruly behaviour for a period of about six months. What does it matter? What I do? We're all going to be put in camps by the Chinese. My ten-year-old brother told me. Well, they're just. And so, all the while, I was thinking, why is she drawing on the wall with felt pens? It must be some behavioural issue. It was because she believed it didn't matter. She was probably practicing so that she could make sort of anti government graffiti against the Chinese (laughs) Communist Party that had put her in in, in the Wormwood Scrubs. Well, they are. They are now. Well, they're about to start (laughs) by taking down my TikTok. Uh, Truth is, banning videos of me at top secret. The the thing that you did that went round quite a lot was about uh, someone who I reckon probably, it sounds to me like everyone of your generation will know this person and only a small minority of of people my generation will know. And this is this guy, Andrew Tate. Yeah. So what's he all about? What's he done? Um, he came famous years ago because he did a tweet about depression, um, saying that depression's not real. And I don't actually have any issues with that tweet because he's from an old school kickboxing background, and right. that's just how they think. They just that's how guys like that like they go to the gym. I don't. They, it's not that they necessarily don't think depression's real. They just go. I I'm just going to believe it's not real, so it's not going to affect me. That's okay. kind of what they, they, like it's an old school kickboxing thing. But are they the same this, with other with other things? Like if one of them breaks their leg, do they go broken legs aren't real? A hundred percent, they are. They are morons. <laughs> and uh, but right. I, Andrew Tate, I don't think he's a moron. I think he's a very intelligent man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think he's a very smart man. But I don't. I think he's got some view. I think he's just an, a misogynist. And all of these things, and everyone can find videos of him being misogynist and pointing out being a a misogynist. You're not going to do anything new with that. That's not the angle to attack him. I mean, I would have to say here, from what I've seen, like proper misogynist. I know it's easy to get called a misogynist these days, but but proper misogynist, you know, like uh, uh, women really are literally lesser human, lesser forms of human, and they are there to serve man. That's his, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, he's a he's an old school sort of misogynist. And that, uh, I mean, I've listened to him on a few podcasts and stuff. And at first, I thought he was playing a character. He was on Tom Segura's podcast, right? And it's actually very funny. 
because Tom Segura is like laughing along with it. His wife, Christina, who he does the podcast with, is like taking the piss out of Tate. But right. Andrew Tate is severely autistic. Like he doesn't get irony. Right. Right. He, he, That's strange that he doesn't believe that autism is real. No, he doesn't believe autism is <laughs> real. Something like autism, I can see it's very frustrating if you are autistic and because it's the sort of thing lots of people go, oh, yeah, I'm a bit autistic, you know, and they mean because they always put they always have to put the cushions straight or something like yeah, that, yeah, you know. Yeah. And um, there was a guy, I can't remember his name, but he, he, uh, he was in a competition that I was on the panel of to sort of judging it once, and he had a really good joke a few years ago now where, and he was autistic, and he said the most annoying thing about being autistic is other people going, oh, I'm a bit autistic. He said, uh, no, that never happens with other illnesses. People never say to someone, oh, really? Yeah. Uh, no, I'm the same. I've got a bit of AIDS. And, uh, <laughs> That's very funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a very funny joke. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I gave, uh, I sort of voted for him to win the competition on the street for that joke. That's very funny. Yeah. Mm. It's, um, but it, it's so he's this weird. Person that exists, and basically, what he did was he hijacked TikTok's algorithm. So TikTok's algorithm is um, is the way he does it. Is he has this thing called Hustlers University, where he teaches young men how to make money. So Andrew Tate, he actually is a base on the system, the core system. I, I compare him to like Tyler Durden because it, it, what, what what people and who's ask, Tyler Durden. Tyler Durden from Fight Club is a character who's like this uh, ultra-masculine character who hates the system, and the system is uh, putting men into its capitalist means, and they are taking away your masculinity from you. They don't want you to be a man. You are meant to be a man, and it's taking that away from you. Which and that's why is, he fights against that, by going into this club and... That's and starting Fight Club. And starting Fight Club, yeah. And, and it's exactly the same as what happens. It's like that it starts off as an element of truth of what Tyler Durden is saying. It's that I do believe in society at the minute. Men are, it, it, masculinity is a difficult thing because it, it's like the minute you go, uh, it, like one half is, like I say, like one half is telling you to be like Harry Styles and wear a dress and the other half is telling you to fight in Ukraine and die. It's not, it, it, like there's a middle ground there. And also like there's some things that are like, it's been, I don't think men should be shamed for wanting to go and do weights and get in touch with bits of masculinity the same way women shouldn't be shamed for getting in touch with femininity. And we do have this problem now where I think I think some of it, what, what happens is every side highlights the, the extremists in the other side. So if you have some blue-haired person who's going, I identify as 79 different things on Twitter and that's fine, then people people grab that person and go, you see, this is the entire trans movement. When it's not, that's just one person on Twitter. And people like Andrew Tate exploit that and, they, and has come along and found a way to exploit it. And he's he actually, got how many uh, uh, followers? Because, I mean, this is the thing. Not, he this. doesn't have followers. This is the genius of it. Hustlers University, one of the ways that you get money is you get, so it's $50 for a month. If you get someone else to sign up, you get $25 from their first month. So it's a pyramid so, scheme. It's an old-fashioned pyramid no, scheme. it's not a multi-level marketing scheme. It's something else. It's a it's slight, slight adjustment. It's a slight adjustment because there's no downline. Just, uh, just on that, though, right, so his presence online, he might not have a, a specific number of followers, but there are... 
whether he advertises it or not, how many followers he's got, he ha- there are millions and millions of people. Like m- most people in the Western world un- under the age of 30 will be aware of it, won't they? Yes. Well, he hijacked the TikTok algorithm. The TikTok algorithm is really malleable. So if you have enough posting, who ke- if you get enough people to keep posting about a certain subject with the hashtag, that will then be pushed on everyone's For You page. Can we so do that we'll, with the what the fuck is going you on? You could, account? you could, you could. So the way TikTok works is like, if you keep watching a video, so even if you're watching a video going, what the fuck is this shit? It then registers that you've watched it. So it doesn't matter why you've watched it, you've still watched it. So the latest reason Andrew Tate is in the news is because of... Uh, a squabble he had with Greta Thunberg. <laughs> this sounds so daft to even say it, but this is a really big thing, isn't it? So him and Greta, here, have you heard about Andrew Tate and Greta Thunberg? They fucking all fucking kicked off, didn't yeah. it? Between them. So right, what? Um, so what? What is their their squabble then? I I don't know. People dislike Greta Thunberg. Um, but whatever. what was the thing she she replied to him on Twitter? He, he sent her some tweet about like all the cars he owns and all the fuel he uses, yeah. and she sent back, "Hey, I'd love you to email me this over. It's my email is at smalldickenergy.com, which is very right. funny, right? right. Andrew Tate then did a two minute video going like, "Why would that be your your email address? That doesn't make sense." Which proves right. to me he's autistic. And and do you know what I mean? It was two autistic people having an argument online, which is what the internet is now. That's just what it is. <laughs> it's just autistic people yelling at each other. And and uh, and then he did that video, and it was so. This is the problem when you believe your own fan base and you believe your own hype. It happens to comedians. It happens to singers. It happens to everyone. They mm. put out something that sucks because everyone around them is like, "Yeah, that's great." And then you put it out and you don't realize that the audience you're playing, you're playing to your audience as well as the rest of the world now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so he bombs, like it bombs. Like everyone's like, that was suck. His fans are like, no, we won. And you're like, yeah, you're going to say that because you're a fan of it. Like, so that's fine. And then the, the remaining government the next day arrested him uh, on sex trafficking because they realised he was in Romania because the pizza boxes he used were of a Romanian pizza chain, which right. makes it even funnier. It makes it even, like, regardless of what he's going to come out and say about it being the Matrix and stuff, it makes it very funny that you started an argument with a 19-year-old girl and then the police arrested you because of a video about your argument. <laughs> that happened. That did happen. No, 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 no. That happened. You can try and matrix your way out of it or Hustlers University in women deserve a slap, whatever. That happened. You're still the guy who made a video to an online activist <laughs> and the police arrested you because of that video. Your video was so bad, the police arrested you because of it. That happened. So that, <laughs> that is... That's... That is- all right, I think that's a magnificent explanation, and it's never going to uh, happen on here because uh, we will never mention live on the podcast that it was us who uh, did an armed robbery on the post office in South Norwood. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Elliot. Thank Steele. you very much. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you've liked it, rate it, and if you could be bothered, write a review. If you can't be bothered absolutely definitely write a review pledge as a new year's resolution 
to write a review every week. If there is anything at all that you think I should be finding out what the fuck is going on with it, please send me a message on Twitter at WTFIsGoingOnPod and we will look at every message that you send. If you'd like to become a WTF supporter and get early access to ad-free extended versions for as little as £2 a month, please visit our Patreon page. What the fuck is going on? Was hosted by me, Mark Steele, with my guests Matthew Norman and Elliot Steele. Voices by Sarah Alexander and Matthew Norman. It was written by Mark Steele and Pete Sinclair. The music was by Willie Dowling. It was produced by Mike Benwell. What the fuck is going on? Was brought to you by WTF Productions. Ah, hmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.